Chapter thirty one. Part two of the Italian. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kathy Barrett. The Italian by Anne Radcliffe. Chapter thirty one. Part two. Elena, who had attended closely to this little narrative, was prevented for the present from asking the few questions which had suggested by the entrance of Olivia, who, on perceiving a stranger, was retiring, but Elena, not considering these inquiries as important, prevailed with the nun to take a chair at the embroidery frame she had lately quitted. After conversing for a few moments with Olivia, she returned to a consideration of her own interests the absence of scudoni still appeared to her as something more than accidental and though she could not urge any inquiry with beatrice concerning the monk of the spirito santo she ventured to ask whether she had lately seen the stranger who had restored her to altieri for beatrice knew him only in the character of elena's deliverer no signora replied beatrice rather sharply i have never seen his face since he attended you to the villa though for that matter i did not see much of it there and then how he contrived to let himself out of the house that night without my seeing him i cannot divine though i have thought of it often enough since i am sure he need not to have been ashamed to have shown his face to me for i should only have blessed him for bringing you safe home again elena was somewhat surprised to find that beatrice had noticed a circumstance apparently so trivial and replied that she had herself opened the door for her protector while beatrice spoke olivia raising her eyes from the embroidery had fixed them upon the old servant who respectfully withdrew hers but when the nun was again engaged on her work she resumed her observation elena fancied she perceived something extraordinary in this mutual examination although the curiosity of strangers towards each other might have accounted for it beatrice then received directions from elena as to some drawings which she wished to have sent to the convent and when the servant spoke in reply olivia again raised her eyes and fixed them on her face with intense curiosity i certainly ought to know that voice said the nun with great emotion though i dare not judge from your features is it can it be possible is it beatrice olka to whom i speak so many years have passed beatrice with equal surprise answered it is signora you are right in my name but lady who are you that know me while she earnestly regarded olivia there was an expression of dismay in her look which increased elena's perplexity the nun's complexion varied every instant and her words failed when she attempted to speak beatrice meanwhile exclaimed my eyes deceive me yet there is a strange likeness santa de la pieta how it has fluttered me my heart beats still you are so like her lady yet you are very different too olivia whose regards were now entirely fixed upon elena said in a voice that was scarcely articulate while her whole frame seemed sinking beneath some irresistible feeling tell me beatrice i conjure you quickly say who is this she pointed to elena and the sentence died on her lips beatrice wholly occupied by interests of her own gave no reply but exclaimed it is in truth the lady olivia it is herself in the name of all that is sacred how came you here oh how glad you must have been to find one another out she looked still gasping with astonishment at olivia while elena unheard repeatedly inquired the meaning of her words and in the next moment found herself pressed to the bosom of the nun who seemed better to have understood them and who weeping trembling and almost fainting held her there in silence elena after some moments had thus passed requested an explanation of what she witnessed and beatrice at the same time demanded the cause of all this emotion for can it be that you did not know one another she added what new discovery is this 
said elena fearfully to the nun it is but lately that i have found my father oh tell me by what tender name i am to call you your father exclaimed olivia your father lady echoed beatrice elena betrayed by strong emotion into this premature mention of scadoni was embarrassed and remained silent no my child said olivia softening from amazement into tones of ineffable sorrow while she again pressed elena to her heart no thy father is in the grave elena no longer returned her caresses surprise and doubt suspended every tender emotion she gazed upon olivia with an intenseness that partook of wildness at length she said slowly it is my mother then whom i see when will these discoveries end it is your mother replied olivia solemnly a mother's blessing rests with you the nun endeavoured to soothe the agitated spirits of elena though she was herself nearly overwhelmed by the various and acute feelings this disclosure occasioned for a considerable time they were unable to speak but in short sentences of affectionate exclamation but joy was evidently a more predominant feeling with the parent than with the child when however elena could weep she became more tranquil and by degrees was sensible of a degree of happiness such as she had perhaps never experienced meanwhile beatrice seemed lost in amazement mingled with fear she expressed no pleasure notwithstanding the joy she witnessed but was uniformly grave and observant olivia when she recovered some degree of composure inquired for her sister bianchi the silence and sudden dejection of elena indicated the truth on this mention of her late mistress beatrice recovered the use of speech alas lady said the old servant she is now where i believed you were and i should as soon have expected to see my dear mistress here as yourself olivia though affected by this intelligence did not feel it with the acuteness she would have done probably at any other moment after she had indulged her fears she added that from the unusual silence of bianchi she had suspected the truth and particularly since not any answer had been returned to the letter she had sent to altieri upon her arrival at the santa della pieta alas said beatrice i wonder much my lady abbess failed to tell you the sad news for she knew it too well my dear mistress is buried in the church here as for the letter i have brought it with me for signora elena to open the lady abbess is not informed of our relationship replied olivia and i have particular reasons for wishing that at present she should remain ignorant of it even you my elena must appear only as my friend till some inquiries have been made which are essential to my peace olivia required an explanation of elena's late extraordinary assertion respecting her father but this was a request made with emotions very different from those which hope or joy inspire elena believing that the same circumstances which had deceived herself during so many years as to his death had also misled olivia was not surprised at the incredulity her mother had shown but she was considerably embarrassed how to answer her inquiries it was now too late to observe the promise of secrecy extorted from her by scadoni the first moments of surprise had betrayed her yet while she trembled further to transgress his injunction she perceived that a full explanation was now unavoidable and since elena considered that as scadoni could not have foreseen her present peculiar situation his command had no reference to her mother her scruples on this head disappeared when therefore beatrice had withdrawn elena repeated her assertion that her father still lived which though it increased the amazement of olivia did not vanquish her incredulity olivia's tears flowed fast while in contradiction to this assurance she mentioned the year in which the count di bruno died with some circumstances relative to his death which however as elena understood that her mother had not witnessed it she still believed had not happened 
to confirm her late assertion elena then related a few particulars of her second interview with scadoni and as some confirmation that he lived offered to produce the portrait which he had claimed as his own olivia in great agitation requested to see the miniature and elena left the apartment in search of it every moment of her absence was to olivia's expectation lengthened to an hour she paced the room listened for a footstep endeavoured to tranquillize her spirits and still elena did not return some strange mystery seemed to lurk in the narrative she had just heard which she wished yet dreaded to develop and when at length elena appeared with the miniature she took it in trembling eagerness and having gazed upon it for an instant her complexion faded and she fainted elena had now no doubt respecting the truth of skidoni's declaration and blamed herself for not having more gradually prepared her mother for the knowledge of a circumstance which she believed had overwhelmed her with joy the usual applications however soon restored olivia who when she was again alone with her daughter desired to behold once more the portrait elena attributing the strong emotion with which she still regarded it to surprise and fear lest she was admitting a fallacious hope endeavoured to comfort her by renewed assurances that not only the count di bruno yet existed but that he lived at this very time in naples and further that he would probably be in her presence within the hour when i quitted the room for the miniature added elena i dispatched a person with a note requesting to see my father immediately being impatient to realize the joy which such a meeting between my long-lost parents must occasion in this instance elena had certainly suffered her generous sympathy to overcome her discretion for though the contents of the note to skidoni could not positively have betrayed him had he even been in naples at this time her sending it to the spirito santo instead of the place which he had appointed for his letters might have led to a premature inquiry respecting herself while elena had acquainted olivia that skidoni would probably be with them soon she watched eagerly for the joyful surprise she expected would appear on her countenance how severe then was her disappointment when only terror and dismay were expressed there and when in the next moment her mother uttered exclamations of distress and even of despair if he sees me said olivia i am irrecoverably lost oh unhappy elena your precipitancy has destroyed me the original of this portrait is not the Count di Bruno, my dear lord, nor your parent, but his brother, the cruel husband. Olivia left the sentence unfinished, as if she was betraying more than was at present discreet. But Elena, whom astonishment had kept silent, now entreated that she would explain her words and the cause of her distress. I know not, said Olivia, by what means that portrait has been conveyed to you, but it is the resemblance of the Count Ferrando di Bruno, the brother of my lord, and my second husband she should have said but her lips refused to honour him with the title she paused and was much affected but presently added i cannot at present explain the subject more fully for it is to me a very distressing one let me rather consider the means of avoiding an interview with di bruno and even of concealing if possible that i exist olivia was however soothed when she understood that elena had not named her in the note but had merely desired to see the confessor upon a very particular occasion while they were consulting upon the excuse it would be necessary to form for this imprudent summons the messenger returned with the note unopened and with information that father scadoni was abroad on a pilgrimage which was the explanation the brothers of the spirito santo chose to give of his absence judging it prudent for the honour of their convent to conceal his real situation olivia thus relieved from her fears consented to explain some points of the subject so interesting to elena but it was not till several days after this discovery that she could sufficiently command her spirits to relate the whole of her narrative 
the first part of it agreed perfectly with the account delivered in the confession to the penitentiary and saldo that which follows was known only to herself her sister bianchi a physician and one faithful servant who had been considerably entrusted with the conduct of the plan it may be recollected that scudoni left his house immediately after the act which was designed to be fatal to the countess his wife and that she was carried senseless to her chamber the wound as appears was not mortal but the atrocity of the intent determined her to seize the opportunity thus offered by the absence of scudoni and her own peculiar circumstances to release herself from his tyranny without having recourse to a court of justice which would have covered with infamy the brother of her first husband she withdrew therefore from his house for ever and with the assistance of the three persons before mentioned retired to a remote part of italy and sought refuge in the convent of san stefano while at home the report of her death was confirmed by a public funeral bianchi remained for some time after the departure of olivia in her own residence near the villa di bruno having taken under her immediate care the daughter of the countess and of the first count di bruno as well as an infant daughter of the second after some time had elapsed bianchi withdrew with her young charge but not to the neighbourhood of san stefano the indulgence of a mother's tenderness was denied to olivia for bianchi could not reside near the convent without subjecting her to the hazard of a discovery since scudoni though he now believed the report of her death might be led to doubt it by the conduct of bianchi whose steps would probably be observed by him she chose a residence therefore at a distance from olivia though not yet at altieri at this period elena was not two years old the daughter of scudoni was scarcely as many months and she died before the year concluded it was this his child for whom the confessor who had too well concealed himself to permit bianchi to acquaint him with her death had mistaken elena and to which mistake his own portrait affirmed by elena to be that of her father had contributed this miniature she had found in the cabinet of bianchi after her aunt's decease and observing it inscribed with the title of count di bruno she had worn it with a filial fondness ever since that period bianchi when she had acquainted elena with the secret of her birth was withheld both by prudence and humanity from entrusting her with a knowledge that her mother lived but this no doubt was the circumstance she appeared so anxious to disclose on her deathbed when the suddenness of her disorder had deprived her of the power the abruptness of that event had thus contributed to keep the mother and daughter unknown to each other even when they afterwards accidentally met to which concealment the name of rosalba given to elena from her infancy by bianchi for the purpose of protecting her from the discovery by her uncle had assisted beatrice who was not the domestic entrusted with the escape of olivia had believed the report of her death and thus though she knew elena to be the daughter of the countess di bruno she could never have been a means of discovering them to each other had it not happened that olivia recognized this ancient servant of bianchi when elena was present when bianchi came to reside in the neighbourhood of naples she was unsuspicious that scudoni who had never been heard of since the night of the assassination inhabited there and she so seldom left her house that it is not surprising she should never happen to meet him at least consciously for her veil and the monk's cowl might easily have concealed them from each other if they had met it appears to have been the intention of bianchi to disclose to vivaldi the family of elena before their nuptials were solemnized since on the evening of their last conversation she had declared when her spirits were exhausted by the exertion she had made that much remained for her to say which weakness obliged her to defer till another opportunity her unexpected death prevented any future meeting 
that she had not sooner intended to make a communication which might have removed in a considerable degree the objection of the vivaldi to a connection with elena appears extraordinary till other circumstances of her family than that of its nobility are considered her present indigence and yet more the guilt attached to an individual of the di bruno it was reasonable to suppose would operate as a full antidote to the allurement of rank however jealous of birth the vivaldi had proved themselves fernando di bruno had contrived even in the short interval between the death of his brother and the supposed decease of his wife again to embarrass his affairs and soon after his flight the income arising from what remained of his landed property had been seized upon by his creditors whether lawfully or not he was then in a situation which did not permit him to contest and elena was thus left wholly dependent upon her aunt the small fortune of Bianchi had been diminished by the assistance she afforded Olivia, for whose admittance into the convent of San Stefano it had been necessary to advance a considerable sum, and her original income was afterwards reduced by the purchase of the Villa Altieri. This expenditure, however, was not an imprudent one, since she preferred the comforts and independence of a pleasant home with industry to the indulgence of an indolence which must have confined her to an inferior residence and was acquainted with the means of making this industry profitable without being dishonourable she excelled in many elegant and ingenious arts and the productions of her pencil and needle were privately disposed of to the nuns of the santa de la pieta when elena was of an age to assist her she resigned much of the employment and the profit to her niece whose genius having unfolded itself the beauty of her designs and the elegance of her execution both in drawings and embroidery were so highly valued by the purchasers at the grate of the convent that bianchi committed to elena altogether the exercise of her art olivia meanwhile had dedicated her life to devotion in the monastery of san stefano a choice which was willingly made while her mind was yet softened by grief for the death of her first lord and wearied by the cruelty she had afterwards experienced the first years of her retirement were passed in tranquillity except when the remembrance of her child whom she did not dare to see at the convent awakened a parental pang with bianchi she however corresponded as regularly as opportunity would allow and had at least the consolation of knowing that the object most dear to her lived till within a short period of elena's arrival at the very asylum chosen by her mother her apprehensions were in some degree excited by the unusual silence of bianchi when olivia had first seen elena in the chapel of san stefano she was struck with a slight resemblance she bore to the late count di bruno and had frequently afterwards examined her features with a most painful curiosity but circumstanced as she was olivia could not reasonably suspect the stranger to be her daughter once however a sense of this possibility so far overcame her judgment as to prompt an inquiry for the surname of elena but the mention of rosalba had checked all further conjecture what would the feelings of the nun when she had been told when her generous compassion was assisting a stranger to escape from oppression that she was preserving her own child it may be worthy of observation that the virtues of olivia exerted in a general cause had thus led her unconsciously to the happiness of saving her daughter while the vices of scedoni had as unconsciously urged him to nearly destroy his niece and had always been preventing by the means they prompted him to employ the success of his constant aim End of chapter 31